0: Are you on tour now? Yes, I'm on tour now, and I've been on tour for I've been on tour really for sixty <laughs> some odd years. Uh, it's not nothing new that I'm yep. uh, that I'm doing. I'm in a new location in a new direction that I've been for last like eighteen or nineteen years. I haven't worked that much northeast, mm-hmm. but I've been on tour all yep. all along, you know, because my records have been it, taking me a west in Southern States, hmm. California, because that's kind of like, well, the black radio was playing my music mostly then. But for the last three albums, I seem to be at a crossover. Hmm. But I, I'm so careful about the crossover that I don't cross out, that the people have been with me all the time and all these years. And I'm studying gang and ground. When I use the... I think I use B.B. King, a buddy guy, as a example. I'm beginning to get a lot of that kind of outplay now yeah. as, an, as an entertainer, as a black entertainer. And, uh, so, but I'm also getting a lot of play that you don't get for what they call the chitlin circuit. you know. And when you say the chitlin circuit, that don't mean that people who are, they don't spend money. It just means that it's more of a uh, a black radio play, a mm-hmm. more sullen, soul kind of a play. And I've been getting that kind of play all these time. And so now this record can take me in a little bit different, which is what I want to do. This is what I plan. This is a planned situation with me, and I'm glad to be here doing it, to cross over. This is where I want to go now. So when when you go
1: out and play now, it's clear that you're playing to a, a different audience of people? A different
0: audience of people. I think uh, it's not a 100% different audience because a lot of these people is part of the people I already had, but I'm playing to a, a more different audience than i played yeah. in a long time since – on uh, twenty twenty five years, is the show different for you when you're playing for different? No, odds? the show no different. It's, that's that uh, you you sing the song that they relate to, which yeah. is a different song. But uh, my show is pretty much the same. Yeah. You know, because one thing about uh, whether it's a white audience or a black audience, they pretty much like the same thing. If if you do something well, and if you do it good, they'll like it if it did yeah. well. You know, and I don't claim for everyone to like me. I love for everyone to like me, but if you don't, you can say, I don't like barbarish Rush, but damn, he good. So that's that's all what mattered with me. You know?
1: you, you uh, We were saying earlier, was it 320 records, something? 307 is <laughs> about records, keep, man. I keep undercutting it.
0: I, I, I quoted myself with uh, yeah. 288 records, I think, about, uh, about a year ago. Okay, that's I so, did get the number so, from somewhere. So, so Jeff <laughs> said, no, you're yeah. wrong. And we surveyed it. We come up with probably 100 more records. Yeah. And I found a record yesterday that was recorded in 1953 hmm. on Sun Records. I forgot all about it. I found it last night. And someone someone brought it to me. I forgot all about the record. You might
1: be the only person who can forget about recording a record on Sun well, Records so that you well, put out so I, many albums. I, I
0: didn't remember this record. Yeah. You know? And God, I didn't remember this record. I remember doing some other things on it, but not this particular yeah. record. You know?
1: So, how do you, when, when, when you go out, I mean, obviously you're, you're playing for different audiences. You've got, you, you, you keep putting out new records.
0: One just came out about a month well, ago. I, here's what happened yeah. with me I'm, I'm still enthused, I'm still learning. Hmm. i'm still uh excited about things that i do i'm still uh, excited about the people that i work for and what uh in front of me and i'm trying to k- still come up with new ideas about record because most yep. guys at my age either repeating what they've done or doing done other people record i'm steady writing hmm. and putting out new records and new ideas and uh and that's where i am now man and, uh, and i'm and I'm if this record do what we think it's gonna do, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> <laughs> when,
1: when when you talk about new ideas, are are you are you are you speaking musically? Are you yeah, are musica- you out there are musica- you out there listening to new stuff? Oh yeah, God, yeah.
0: I listen to everybody. I yeah. listen to jazz, I listen to rock and roll, I listen to uh Hank Williams Jr., I listen to uh, mm-hmm. everybody I can listen to about music and about life. Mm. Because there's nothing new under the sun, but I I try to have a new approach to it. Yeah. So I'm thinking about all the things. Then I'm learning uh, what the white audience like, hmm. more or less than what they want and what they used to. I'm listening to other young artists play. I listen to the old artists play. And being who I am, I, I've i listened to the past. So I'm listening to now and the future. And I'm, already, I'm studying where do I go next. Hmm. And I think I have a little handle on what I should do, you know. I, I get I get
1: this this feeling from the outside that most blues audiences are interested in something traditional that they you know that that maybe they don't want to hear you doing too many different things with the form. Is do you encounter that with audiences? Well,
0: I think uh, what I'm listening to now, what I think I hear from the audience, yeah, they want to hear a good story, but they also want a good music behind the story. Mm-hmm. But I think first of all, for the first time in a long time people are into more story now they're into the music Hmm. they want good music but they do want a story yeah they want you to be saying something the story got to say something yeah this song i I have out this record i have out now entitled porcupine meat yeah it's not (laughs) just the only thing on that cd that's good i think everything over there relates to the people that that listen to this because when you're talking about porcupine meat I'm not talking about something you put on the table to eat. Mm-hmm. It's an example to someone doing you wrong, but yep. yet you can't leave it alone. Something uh, you, you, you have, you can't see yourself cutting it loose because you're afraid that if you cut it loose against someone else, you'll find something just worse uh, or even bad or worse. So uh, you're damned if you do and you're damned <laughs> if you don't. That's porcupine meat. Yeah. Too fat to eat and too lean to throw away. They're in the
1: uh when when the record was being released they they mentioned the, the chicken head song and it sounds like i mean it sounds like there's there's a there's a, a connection there as far it as it is a connection yeah.
0: man Literally, it is a connection you this is the first time that i did an interview yeah did anybody pick my whole card i'm gonna tell you what you just did <laughs> lewis Jordan was the best Writer to me in life, he always wrote about chicken, dog, cows, chicken. He wrote this song about the fish fry. He wrote this song, yeah, fish fry. He wrote this song uh, about a buzzer and a monkey was apparently good friends, and a (laughs) monkey probably was better friend to the monkey to the uh, the buzzer than the monkey than the buzzer was to the monkey. So he tricked the monkey to have a ride with him in the air because he could fly, and the uh, the monkey could not fly, no wings. (laughs) And he wanted to, to, to harm the monkey for some reason, and he got him up in the air and he started doing like this and shaking, and the monkey put his tail around his neck and tightened up on him. And he said, hey, monkey, you choking me?" He said, "Well, straighten up and fly right. Stop <laughs> all this zigzag." So that was a record: yeah. straight up and fly right by 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 the artist. It's by
1: like uh, it's like an Aesop fable. It's right, was, right, exactly. Yeah.
0: Exactly, so I come with my first big gold record with Chicken Heads. Yeah. Now I talk about Chicken Head. I talk about night fishing. I talk about all these kind of things. Louis Jordan put it on me, man. You know? But
1: but, th- but that I mean that seems like a, a an example. What what year was that? Was the Chicken Head come out?
0: Uh, I wrote it in nineteen sixty six, but it came out to sixty nine. But by by nineteen seventy, if the number one record, yeah. I believe there was a the number two or three record in England when the Beatles had the number huh. one record. Now, coming to number three is, is, is yeah. high cotton. In the U.S., Jane, I had the number one record on the hmm. uh, uh, Souls charts. Jane Brown had the number two record. Bill Whitton had the number three. To beat them out yeah. in them days, you know, I was in high cotton, man. That's that's a pretty good example,
1: though, of something that um – you can get away with saying certain things yes. if you say them in certain
0: ways, yes. right? I mean, yes. isn't that? Is it, well, I think people uh, relate to me as just being this storyteller yeah. and a jokey kind of a storyteller because I can get away saying things a lot of cats can't can, yeah. can say. You know, yeah. I talk about I'm not going to sleep with no big fat woman no more, but in a, in a song fashion. Yeah. And Joe Tex talk about he ain't going to bump with no woman no more. But you see, everybody know I lied. <laughs> <laughs> everybody know that's a lie. You know? yeah. I yeah. just lied. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do it again. <laughs> but but I laugh and joke about that. And when I talk about things like inside of this song, I think a third or fourth song, it yeah. says, Baby, I think you're dressed too short. Well, I'm talking about my woman dressed too short because I don't want you looking at it. But yeah. when your woman dressed short, it's just right for me. You know that I can look at her and say, "Wow, that's a good-looking woman." Then I have the desire yeah. for, for a woman with a dress short, but I don't want nobody to have a desire for my woman's dress too short. I told her, "I said, baby, your dress too short. When you walk down the street with your short dress on, men be looking at you like a dog looking at a bone. You can't bend over; at the least wind blow. You see all the way up until Chicago. Now, you know I'm talking about my woman. It's a personal thing." But then again, I told her, now, baby, I like short dressing like any other man, but it's a time and place for everything. Now, when you're walking in your house or you're in your bedroom, it's different when you're walking downtown because you got to watch how you stand up. You sure got to watch when you sit down.
1: <laughs> it, it's, it, you know, it's funny because, you know, you obviously you're you're evolving, as you said before, as a songwriter musically. Um there are certain themes you're coming back to that I think maybe, you know, certain artists, when they're your age, maybe yes, aren't singing yes, about it anymore.
0: That, exactly. <laughs> now, see, see what you said there. You don't have to be embarrassed by saying it because yeah. me is at my age. Just don't sing about those kind of things. Yeah, yeah, talk yeah. about it. But it's happened. Yeah. They may not sing about it, but they think about yeah, yeah. it. <laughs> you, know? you know, and I get away with it because it's a true thing. Yeah, it's a true thing. Yeah. You know. You know, I'm, I'm, if a man have a good looking lady, he just don't want to dress too short because that's his woman. <laughs> you know, but but every time he see a woman with a dress short that looks good, he looking yeah because that's not his woman. You know. <laughs> do Do you feel
1: as you're as as you're as you're getting older, as you hit a certain age that you're a little more in, in your songwriting, that you're a little more kind of reflective, or that you feel like there are certain things that you need to write yeah. about, certain things that you need to to do at this point in your yeah, career? Yes,
0: I, uh, some things that. There's some things I said in the past I won't say it anymore. Mm. It's not that I don't desire to say yeah. it, but even if I said I said in a, in a cunning kind of way yeah. that that it won't reflect, or make people feel bad about what I'm saying. But when you when you're young, I said things and I care, but I really don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you know how, how you feel about it, but it's the truth thing. Yeah. But now I, I want to I, I want to say and through things that that I can be this leadership for people who wants to follow Bob Rich's footsteps, hmm. and I got to make sure that I said the kind of thing do the kind of thing yeah. that be that that's fallible that that's that I'm that I'm clear and satisfied with saying when when B.B. King passed away
1: I I read a lot of interviews <clears throat> with you around the time and there was this the, yes. there was this notion that um I don't know if it was a torch passing yes but that uh you 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 all of a sudden are the elder statesman of the music.
0: I think that was the biggest thing that ever happened to me hmm. that I didn't notice why I was why it was happening. Yeah. A year before he passed, he asked me, said, Barbara Rush, I want you to to work in Anola with me next year." Hmm. So I went back in the back room. I talked to her privately, and we talked about a few things that I can't get into now. But we talked about. He said, Bob, I need you to work with me. He said, because this is going to be my last show I do in Mississippi. Huh. And I need you because you're the king of the chili circuit. And you can draw black people to see me.
1: He didn't yeah. have that at that no, point in his life? No, no, no. What um, what, 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 And happened? I didn't know what was why
0: he would say that yeah. to me. Because people would come. If be about 80 and 90% white people would come. Yeah. And he would have very little black people come to see him. Yeah. But when I came, it was probably 50-50 because I drove this black crowd to see him. I didn't understand it and didn't think about it. But I went to, I was a record, a, playing a show for a guy in Holly Spring, Mississippi, which is near Memphis, the same nights. So after he asked me to work, I said, I'm already a contract for a guy in Memphis, Tennessee. He said, will you ask the guy to let you out to date? If he won't pay you, he said, I'll pay you for the date that he led you out of and give you your money anyway. I said, mm-hmm. B.B., you don't have to pay me mm-hmm. to come to you. He want to pay me for the, my date for me to cut it out. Said, you know, So I went to the man and said, listen, I need a favor for you. Not knowing how to ask this guy, he said, he said what is it, Bobby Rush? I said, B.B. asked me to do a show with him. It's going to be the last show he did in Mississippi. I said, I got a show with you on that same night for 11 o'clock. Your show starts at 4 o'clock. He said, Bobby Rush, no problem. Once you do the show at 4 o'clock, I tell the people on the radio, you're going to do it early. So they come to see you. you my headline. Hmm. Maybe they come out early. It's not pay you right now. I, he didn't say a word, didn't change a word with me. I said, what a miracle. I told B.B. I said, B.B., I'm going to make it. I went and did the show for B.B. Went in the club after hour party. He did a after hour party in the club, Ebony, the same night. And I was so beaten, tired. I am sitting in the corner, had sleep. He woke me up and said, Bobby Rush, come on up to the stage with me. I got on the stage where he saying, ain't no sunshine for mm. 20 minutes. <laughs> because it's, it was kind of going and coming. And we were laughing and joking and talking. Two or three weeks later, mm. I got the B.B. King's Award. Yeah. I was happy. He called me up and said, Hey, you got my you got my plaque. And we laughed laugh and talked about it. Yeah. Four or five weeks later, he was sick then. Four mm. or five weeks later he passed. Yeah. Not knowing that gonna be the last time I talked to him or the last show I do with him. Mm. But he knew. He must knew. Yeah. Past your touch to me. Then somebody called me, Sir Barbara Rush, you know. Uh, look like you, the grandfather of this thing now to be be past the torch. i no, gotta be buddy guy, or somebody like yeah. that, but when I check the age i'm a little bit older than little richard i'm a few months older than jane brown yeah I'm a little bit older than Ray Charles, a little bit older than uh, buddy guy here I am not i didn't think about it. It's interesting too because I think everybody
1: that you just mentioned except for Buddy Guy isn't as closely aligned with the blues as music right. now, right? right? I mean it's, you know, right. James, you know, soul or right. or jazz or R&B or something like right. that. But w- if, what is it about you because obviously you've had, uh, you know, a number of records, you had funk records, you had soul records. What keeps bringing you back to that?
0: Why are you so I, closely aligned with the blues? I don't because I'm a blues man. <laughs> blues man. I'm a blues man. Yeah. If, if you notice what I'm doing and saying inside of my yep. song, it's nothing but the blues. Yep. I just mortified my music to the now people, any young people, yep. white and black, can relate to more of me what I do. I think they relate to me more than they do a uh, few other guys around mm-hmm. because uh, James Cotton and, and a Buddy Guy also great guys sure. to play the blues but yeah. I think I'm a little bit funky on their ears yeah, when yeah. I say funky, I think my music relates yeah, yeah. to young people a little bit more yeah. you know, I think that's the only reason, yeah. you know, I respect these guys and they're great and I love them all I would love to do something with these guys the Buddy Guy and uh, James Cotton and people like that but uh, we, we, it's a little different in our approach what I have done, what I'm still doing is mortifying the thing that I do because just like we are doing an interview now, 20 years ago, we couldn't sit here and do that, Have the same quality. Yeah. I do the same thing. It's almost like when I was a boy, we had outhouses because we didn't have no toilet inside the house. We went outside to go to the bathroom. But nowadays, you don't have to go outside. You got bathroom inside the house. And in my house, I got nine bathrooms. They all smell better than they do, <laughs> did then. But guess what? Mm. What you do in them have not changed. <laughs> that's the same. Yeah. yeah, And that's what I kind of do with my music. Yeah. I talk about the same thing, but I'm mortified by playing to what's going on yeah. today in life, musically.
1: I mean, B.B. King is a really interesting example, and I've, I've heard you he talk about this before. I think you've <clears throat> described it as sitting still or standing still, you know, in, in that he... Um, he he kind of found his thing and stuck with
0: it. Well, I, but I respect BB King yeah. and I respect what he've done. I don't know what he did it because he couldn't do anything but that. But it's a small smart man he had to do what he do and just what and stuck with it. Even when the disco days came in, people like myself tried to change over a little bit yeah. so I could fit into uh, the commercially thing where you can get play. and I did. You know, they played my records and I get got it. But I don't know whether it was good or bad. Hmm. But now, uh, it seemed like right now I'm about one of the one who really can relate to, to young people because my music relates to them musically. Yeah, you, I'm talking the same talk that I talked in 1950. But musically, I make a difference.
1: I I, I, I saw, you know, you, you, you were quoting Ray Charles at some point. I think it was Ray Charles who uh, approached you you were doing uh, uh, several nights at a venue and we, we hit hitting New York yeah New- and you and you were changing it up and he said stop changing it up yeah me
0: and me I, I was here in this in the early 50s uh, late 50s maybe early 60s and I had this band and, and I always uh, kind of brags up with myself because I had this good band that could play the top 40 yeah and I was doing the top 40 I had been in this place three days but that third night I was playing all different music than I played from the first night because it's a tourist kind of a thing We got different people coming in mm-hmm. And Rachel looked at me and said Bob, so what you doing? I said, well, I'm changing my show tonight He said, why are you changing the show? I said, because we've been here three days He said, but your show is working yeah. He said, son, let me tell you something If you got something working Don't change shows, change towns mm-hmm. If it's working, yeah, go to another town So what So what and, did you so, learn
1: from that? I mean, obviously I you from kept that.
0: changing I learned from that but I But I changed the music I never change the story.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I may do chicken head in an upbeat, but if I if I, if, I, if I were pick my guitar today, I would play. Uh, whatever I'm playing, I would play it in today's music. But my story, I would sing the same songs yeah. that I sung in 1955. Yeah.
1: Do Do, do you think that the fact that you've been evolving over all these years has been a positive for for your career?
0: I don't know what it was But I'm just so blessed I was talking last night As I did to BB King And I was looking at the audience And I thanked them for looking at me And accepting me for who I am I didn't have to cross over and cross out Now when I first started I believe that when I got to Put the girls on the side of me and And they dancing I think people thought that was I was like I don't know what they thought that it may be too wrenchy or whatever they thought. But now people, when they don't see me with the girl, they say, well, where's the girls?" You follow me? <laughs> yeah. Because maybe I made a yeah. believe out of them that. Just, and it's just about business; It's yeah. about me working. I didn't mean any harm about it. I wasn't trying to lure anybody into anything. I was just trying to be a showman, be a showman. Because I believe if you look around, I'm one of the few guys who left with the show. Yeah. You got plenty of guys who play guitar, plenty of guys who play keyboard, plenty of guys who do, do what they do well. But it ain't many guys who do a show. Yeah. So I'm I'm am re- really curious about this question about
1: blue <coughs> about blues and and traditionalism. Um, this idea that now that BB King isn't around, now that a lot of people aren't around anymore, whether it's somebody's job to to keep that going, to keep the torch of of the blues
0: going. I think that' gonna be a, a, a vault B B forever. Yeah. But it won't be that you can't ever feel his place. But he won't. The, you know, the the idea of where he's where he was going won't ever stop because that'd be somebody that always to come along and like a, uh, a ram in, in the bush, you know. And I think I'm one of the one in the bush. Mm. And when I leave, it'll be someone else to come along. Yeah. We have. Uh, uh, guys in the southern states like Dexter Allen and, uh Vicky uh Allen and we have uh Stevie J in uh and many other guys like that you have uh, uh about four or five maybe six blues guys around the delta area explain mm. the blues <laughs> And the guy's going to come along, and they're going to be doing it well and doing it good. Yeah. But I think if they have to do it in their own taste and their own way, if they think about B.B., it's good to think about him, but they can't do B.B. because that's been done. They got to do it themselves. And I think what's, what's hurting a lot of the guys, everybody want to play like B.B. or ever King, up on to take to get down and do the squeezing. That Now, that's my opinion that may be the downfall yeah everybody you should get your own thing and, 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 and do that Still, but, but,
1: you, but, er, but early on you know obviously when, when, when you're starting out when anybody's starting out you, you take those you, you, you build
0: on those you want to sound like somebody who did you want to sound like when you first started playing I, don't, I can't think of a person I want to sound <laughs> like I think of a person yeah. I want to be like okay. for being status like with Louis Jordan yeah, yeah. I want to be that because they was popular I want yeah. to be popular but I want to do my own thing. I you don't never know, sounded like I, Louis Jordan. No, I know. I never tried to. Yeah, I never tried to. Uh, maybe that's crazy, but man, when I was 60 years old, I know exactly what I want to be. Hmm. From that time, you know, I want to be two things important. I want to be this great entertainer from both ways, a comedian and a whole. And I, yeah. if you listen at my songs, I'm a comedian. Man, yeah. I'm a stand up comedian. Yeah. That's, you know, that's, that's, that's what I'm about you know when, when did you when did you first hear the music that you wanted to play when I was seven eight years old <clears throat> my daddy is a preacher pastor of church for about 45 years in one 47 another church my cousin gave me a guitar I had been listening at Randy Record shop and a few little radios at night and I said, I'm going to get this guitar. And I didn't know anything, but I heard Muddy Waters and heard Lightning slam and Lightning Hopping. Didn't know anything about anybody else, really. And I wanted to play, but I didn't know how to tune this guitar. My cousin gave me this guitar, and I hid it in the loft. We lived in the country. And I hid it there for about a week, and it was so warm, so hot up in this loft, the neck bowled. <laughs> but we had horses and cows. We had a where we put water into trough, and every two or three days, I would get the guitar and soak it in this water so the neck was straightened back out. And it was straightened back out. So one day my daddy said, Junior, I'm a junior. He said, boy, as a matter of fact, my name is Emmett Ellis Jr. Mm-hmm. His name is Emmett Ellis. I changed my name because I respect my daddy, what he stood for as a preacher and mm-hmm. as my father. He said, bring that guitar here, boy. Wow, I thought he was going to take it, uh, whip me about having it, because I hadn't planned to play no a gospel song at all. Yep. And I didn't. He said, give it here. And he took it and tuned it up. I hmm. was excited. I said, wow, my daddy can play. And he reached up and he had old Markle up on the desk he'd been having. He never played it, but this time he got it and he played it. I said wow He can blow the harp too (laughs) Wasn't playing it that well Now when you look back But to me He was playing Yeah And he said I'm gonna play you a song I used to sing For a little girl When I was a little older than you Well when he said that I wanna hear it Because I know he's gonna sing About my mama Mm -hmm. I thought I either thought He gonna play glory glory Hallelujah So he started singing He said me and my gal Went to Chanky Pen hunting She fell down And I saw something (laughs) I said, daddy, <laughs> my daddy, listen, what is, I said, daddy, the preacher, preacher, <laughs> I said, sing it again, daddy, he said, me and my gal went to chanky Pin hunting, she fell down and I saw something, I wanted to say, what you saw, but I couldn't <laughs> ask my daddy that, so I said, sing it again, and what I wanted him to do is sing the next verse, because I thought, In my little mind That the next verse Gonna explain (laughs) So he's My mama's in the kitchen Cooking Before he could sing it again He said She said You know what I mean Don't sing that kind of song To that boy Yeah So I said Sing it again He read back And he started Singing it again By that time He said Me and my girl With the tank And I said Daddy daddy I'm trying to get his attention I said How big was she he said, she was fat, boy, big, fat woman, weighed 300 and something pounds. And in my mind, 300 and something pounds. And he kind of waved his hand like that, like mm. the distance. I could just see it in my mind, woman that wide. I said, what's your hat on? He said, nothing but a dress. Now, can you <laughs> imagine in your yeah. mind a fat woman falling down this wide with nothing on but a dress? I know my daddy had his eye full. And I said, Wow. I said, sing it again. He said, me and my dad with the chicken man." My mama was <clears throat> walking towards him by that time. I said, daddy, daddy, here come mama. He said, me and my dad with the chicken bin, hon. She fell down. He looked around. And I kept running. <laughs> so I never knew what the next verse was yeah. going to be. And I always was curious about that. But I knew then I wanted to be a blues singer. Yeah. And I wanted to sing sing song that had this dead line this borderline Yeah, because he sung it to me. I had to figure out what he saw huh. and I knew I had to sing new song like that. So then I cut a record like Sue. She kneeled down, then never tell what she did, but always sung that kind of song makes you think about what it was before I got to it. I never, and I never said anything.
1: You know, you, it, I mean that plays into the idea of being a comedian too, right? Oh yeah, yeah, it's, yeah a up, it's a setup. Set it's line. a setup punchline. It's a
0: setup punchline. Yeah, and you never say anything. Yeah, you, you you give them something to think about, and they add it one and two together.
1: And it, it's also like it's also like Chickenhead from the standpoint that you can get away with certain things if you don't oh, actually yeah. say those things. Oh right? yeah, but
0: see when I when I recorded Chickenhead, Calvin Carter who had VJ Records, Asked me, he said, Bobby rest. I'm gonna record a record on you, man." I said, "Okay." He said, "But you got to give me two songs." I said, "I got two songs." So he he, he had a, a business partner with a Jehovah's Witness preacher mm-hmm. was a partner. So he said, "You got a record ready?" I said, "Yeah, I got a record ready." He said, "What the name was?" I said, "Chickhead, <laughs> Chickhead." Now, yeah, oh, we can't cut no freak record like that. That's what the Jehovah's yeah. Witness said. Cavalcade said, "Oh, what what is about?" Where you from? I said, I'm from down south. He said, oh, yeah, they eat chicken heads down <laughs> south. He said, let me show you. The, what's the livers about? I said, Daddy told me on his dying bed, give up your heart, but don't you lose your head. Mm. You came along, girl. What did I do? Lost my heart and my head went to, which had nothing to do with the chicken. <laughs> so he said, yeah, we're going to cut that right over the head. He said, but we need yeah. a B-side. I said, I got it. He said, What is it? I said, Mary Jane. He said, Oh <laughs> man, that's a good one. Mary Jane, I had a girl that did me wrong. And I wasn't talking about the woman at all. No, no, no. I was talking about the reefer. I <laughs> yeah. my smoker. So I got so I got me two guys in the room who didn't know what I was yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. sausage. Yeah. I can use this to get over, you know.
1: How did you go from how did you go from
0: <laughs> dad's a preacher to, to singing about that? <laughs> well, my, my when my daddy was singing to me about yeah. about uh about the about the fat girl yeah I, maybe he didn't mean it like that at all but i took it like that because in my mind he never told me the, what the girl looked like as he fell down he just said she was real fat and fell down with nothing on but a dress my thought was that if she fell down the dress went up yeah you know yeah, guys, yeah, yeah. And, and he could I mean, if she if she that big he saw something, but but he <laughs>
1: but he uh, he never tried to stop you. He didn't respect. No, my my, my dad yeah.
0: my dad was influenced me for this reason. Mm. During those times I heard I didn't know about it. I heard through the grapevine that men's as a preachers and religious people saying uh, blues were devil music. Yeah. But my dad t- never told me that at all. Mm. He never told me to sing the blues. He never told me not to Yeah So with that respect It was a green light for me <laughs> I was gone man I was hooked man Man I was hooked When did you When did you actually start Playing out professionally Oh I was about 15 Yeah 15 Couldn't go in the club Until I was 18 mm-hmm. But I used to My daddy was We lived on the country We had to Had a Didn't have no uh, Electric heater We had Stove And Wood stove, and he would buy them big old long matches, and I would go out and stretch them big matches and blow them out real quick. get me about ten of them, and I could take the spot off of them and draw me some mustache <laughs> And I have me some blue man shoe And I take his, my old daddy's hat and go uptown to a place called Jetty Bug Go up to Jitterbug and I would sneak in, put me put me in a little two-piece band together. And a guy called Drum and put me a little band together and go in that was playing well I was uh, I, I didn't have a, a drummer I had my two guys were playing guitars. one wound not guitar and I was playing guitar I had another guy was playing bass but it was on the guitar so we didn't have a drummer so I switched over and bought me a little set of drums hmm. so I was the drummer playing with the band you know called Bobby Rush and the three jivers mm-hmm. three jivers the jive, talking yeah. Jive. Yeah, yeah. and I would play that and he, he found it out and I would go out the back door. He let me out the back door. Another guy was old enough. One guy I was playing with, Boyd Gilmore, he was Elmo Jane's first cousin. He must have been 20, 25 years old. But I was the little guy who put the band together. Now, I probably was the last player in the band, but they couldn't find me because I owned all equipment. <laughs> they couldn't find me. And it was I your even, name on the band. It was, I was, I, <laughs> it was you know, Bobby Rush's band. And, and I never yeah. went for no one. I always, from the yeah. very go, from, from 15 years old, had my own band. Yeah. I never. In nobody else's band, but just maybe sit in with guys. But but I had Elmo James. I had even Muddy Waters all come to play with me, but I never played with them.
1: How'd you get Muddy Waters in your band?
0: Uh, I, in a place called Argo, Illinois, the main one at Muddy Waters, and, and he won uh, I was paying him $5.50 a night. Yeah. Yeah, 15, 15 I paid him $16.50 for the weekend. Yeah, three nights, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I was making $7 at a band leader and paying my guy three fifty. Yeah, you, When you're playing with somebody like Elmore James and you're playing with Muddy Waters,
1: who obviously, I mean, everybody knows those names.
0: Well, I could, this, 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 I shouldn't tell this. <laughs> well, just, now, now, <laughs> so okay. now you got it. <laughs> I got Elmore James. This, this is dirty. This is dirty. <laughs> Elmore James come to play with me. There was a guy in Chicago called Lee Robazine. He was dating this girl in Belzone, Mississippi, and her father and mother owned a a, a, a funeral home called Dale's, Bell's Funeral Home. She owned one in Rio City, and one in—I mean, one in Bell's it and one in Clarksdale So he comes to Chicago, and he was my friend, and he was getting married to this girl whose mother owned the funeral home. So they had money. So he had been taking me to my little gigs on the weekend. He would take me in his hearse, which was a Cadillac car. Yeah, and I, he would take me to the club. I wouldn't let him take me to the front of the club. He'd take me block from the club, and let me out because I didn't want nobody to see me getting out this hearse, you know the hearse,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, for the so, uh, bodies, so dead yeah. bodies. I
0: didn't want to even see that. So this girl he was going with was looking real good. So Elmo Jane, I want to go to a place called Jack Rabbit in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. I need Elmo Jane to go over there with me. Elmo Jane said I'll go with him, but you got to pay me sixteen dollars for the weekend. Mm-hmm. He said, Well, otherwise I can't go. She give me fifteen dollars a night and give me one dollar for transportation. I said, Elmo, I can't I don't have it. Because the man wouldn't pay me but twenty five dollars for the weekend, yeah. the whole band.
1: Yeah.
0: You know? I said, I can't go So we were walking along, he said, Well I just can't wake for you, Barbara. I'd like to do it, but I, I, I can't do it. So this girl walked by, which is my friend, Eloise, and Robert Zane was in there. He looked around, he said, Wow, who is that girl there? I do anything just to talk to her. That's my friend' wife, you know. Yeah, yeah. I said, I walked away. I said, "What you say?" He said, I mean, he said "Man, I do anything." Anything, <laughs> anything. I said, "Anything, <laughs> man." I come. I said, I, said, I told our robbers, said, Robinson, what you doing this way?" He said, "I ain't doing nothing this way." I said, "We do take me to to my gig." I figured if I could take him to the gig, the man take me to the gig, and I let Elmo James stay at his house while I'm gone. That's not right. <laughs> So Elmo stayed at the house with with her that night <laughs> while, while, the, while I take the main yeah. took me to the gig. Yeah. Every other week, he'll go with me and play for free. Mm-hmm. he stayed stay oh, at the house. That's not right, though. But I did that. I, I got Elmo's ready to play for no money yeah. because I got him with my friend wife. Mm. They, they were not married then, <laughs> but they later married, you know. And that's not right. That's not right. <laughs> why, why was it? Why? I
1: mean, obviously, you know, now he's he's legendary. But why was it so important that he he play in your band?
0: Because he had the name. I didn't have yeah, the yeah. name. Okay. I wanted Elmo so Jam- a, just just to bring people yeah, out. Yeah, you bring yeah. people out, but it got it got Rush and Elmo James. I yeah, got, yeah, yeah, He put me on the map because I was nobody. Know Bobby Rush, yeah. but they know Elmo James. But you, you know? but
1: you were ne- you were never you were never afraid to have somebody of that status or Muddy Waters to be in your band that they would take away the spotlight no, from you? No, I no. was a
0: show guy, man. I was <laughs> I was I was just bad. You kid. knew that you could Oh yeah. Out, yeah. I, I, I knew that I could, I with them yeah, on yeah, the yeah, stage yeah. and I had to, I had this gift man. Yeah. No, it would not I, I tell you I regret a lot of things I didn't do. Muddy Waters was thirty three years old. He had his birthday party at civio's now Muddy Waters thirty three, I'm twenty something years old. Yeah. And he said, "Blood." He called me Blood. I want you to come to my birthday party next Saturday. I said, "Okay." I do that. I hadn't planned to go anyway. I just, just wanted. To, I'm playing at a place called Walden's Corner. So by ten thirty, and I'm married to a lady named called Hazel Adam. Mm. She said, "You supposed to be to Mother Water uh, party?" I said, "Wow, it's ten thirty-five now. The party part over now. Yeah. I get to my car." Goes down to the place. Sure enough, the place is over. Muddy water went upstairs. He learned how to win. He's, blood, where you been all night? I said, man, I've been trying to get here. Just forgot about the party. Disrespect. When I got up to the party, he had the old ladies up in the room with him. I asked one lady. I walked by. She said, I'm 30 years old. The other lady said, I'm 33. One was 38 years old. Mm. I sneaked out the back door. The old lady thirty-four, thirty-five 34, 35 years old. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I wish that would happen today, man, yeah. 34 and 35. I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking they're old ladies because yeah. nah, I'm, like, early 20, Yeah. yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. and I sneaked off left left. I said that because those are the kind of things I regret, Not because Muddy Waters, Holland, with all these guys yeah. that just love me, they always want to be around me for whatever reason. Hmm. Whatever reason. What I, I'm just a kid to most of them. Why do they want to hang around me? I must have, have had something. Do you know? Like, have you, I
1: you know? Can, you've You can. got a lot of distance
0: now. Can you look back and figure out what it was at the time that they were interested in? Maybe because uh, I don't really know. Yeah. You, muddy Water got me to have a beer. 1957. <laughs> First beer I had in my life and the last from one. From Muddy Waters? Yeah. Muddy Water <laughs> got me drinking three beers. And I got drunk on the fish on three beers. Yeah. And I haven't had one before or since what I never had a I, have, I never had a glass of wine for dinner in my life. Why is that? It wasn't my cup of tea, yeah. I always want to be sober, and i maybe I want to be slick because I want to be the one who made some money and be in control of everything and, and be the boss, yeah, you know, and I want to be the one who uh called the shots and paid you off, not paid me yeah. off, yeah, you know. Maybe that. Maybe that's what. It
1: that's is. A, I'm, it's, it's impressive because yeah. you were. You must have been around it all the time. I've around it all the time. Yeah. I
0: just. I just never. I saw what. I saw what, smoking and drinking. Yeah. reefers and cocaine did to people that I was close to and love. I saw what, it did to them, and I said I never want to be like that. Huh. It never influenced me. I don't know why God have, blessed me. Yeah. That that didn't get in my system. I didn't influence me. I don't I don't know why. Of course, now I got other habits just as bad. Lay the lady, big leg ladies and still she attracts me. Yeah. I wish I got no business looking at her, but that's, that's, that's part of our sight. But you know? but
1: you found that not not taking part of that not not drinking or or smoking, you were still able to uh, interact with people. It didn't. I, being the guy in the corner not
0: drinking didn't it didn't bother me because I was yeah. all when they was drinking and having fun I was always scheming how I was going to yeah. make a dicker uh, yeah. make a dollar and learn what I was doing I was always trying to learn what I need to know about the business itself yeah. how to promote how to book how to be an agent see I was trying to learn this so I wouldn't have to do it for myself let me tell you what I mean about that because see I was going to write a song till I find me a good writer mm. I was going to promote myself till I find a promoter. I was going to book myself till <laughs> I found a good agent. Yeah. I was going to produce myself till I find a good producer. I was going to manage myself till I find a good manager. After 25 or 30 years went by, B.B. King said to me one day, he said, Bobby Rush, it's been 40 years ago. He said, I need you to produce me, to produce a record and write me a good song because I like the way you write. Now it's done on me. Do I have something? be became one? What am I? And so when I look back at it now, God was fixing it up for me yeah. to learn what I need to know for myself. When he came along and he
1: he asked you that, you didn't you you didn't consider yourself a writer at the time. No, at the time. Yeah. But
0: he want he or wanted him and Quincy Jones was one of the few guys. Yeah. Who influenced me? I was went to Kenny Gamma and Leon Huff. Yeah. In 1975, Philadelphia. Philadelphia, to record a record. When I got to recording, Huff used to turn me loose in the studio. So, Barbara Rice, do what you want to do. It. The engineer there, tell him what you want. Me? you leaving me here. But you all distrusted me yeah. to know what I was doing. And I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. I didn't think. And Ga- Gamble Huff are two of the most legendary yes, songwriters yes. of here the 20th century. They said, well... We have a song, man, called Rush Hour. We're going to name you Rush Hour. Hear he, he the title. Yeah. We know you can write it. <laughs> they give you a title? Yeah. <laughs> right. And, man, they believed in yeah. me, you know? We, we want you to write a song yeah. with this title. Yeah, because they know they that. Yeah. All right. That's funny. They comes. to, well, we got a title. Hey, Bobby Rush, can you come up with something like this? Uh, this ideal? And, and oh, oh sure, can in a few minutes. I got the song written, they thought I was just genius, and I went there to learn from them. The only reason I left them and went to Mississippi to do my own labor mm-hmm. because I went that to peep their head and learn from them and steal what they know, yeah, to edit what I but when they when they. Had so much respect for me, I couldn't learn anything more there. Yeah, they had so much respect for me. So okay, oh, you have it. You they wanted it. to learn you something want. from me. Yes, yeah. yes. I when, didn't know. I didn't know I had anything. They wanted to know, but apparently yeah. I did. When, but I but I can yeah. tell you this. But that taught me a lesson. They was one of the few guys who taught me and made me believe in myself to do what I'm doing now.
1: Yeah. When, when somebody, somebody like B.B. King, who obviously you had tremendous respect for, approaches you and asks you to write a song, how do you, how do you write a song for B.B. B. King?
0: I, I don't know. I tell you <laughs> that I, but, but, but he thought that yeah. I would write something that, that, that related. And so I, went, I, I made a mistake mm. to go into Bobby Bland. I said, Bobby Bland. Yeah. I said, you know what happened? He said, what is it? I said, B.B. King asked me to write him a song. And he said to me, we're good friends. He said, I'll tell you what you do. If you write a song, don't speak to me no more because I've been asking you to write a song for me on the high long." <laughs> now I'm standing between a uh, uh, rock yeah. and a hard place here with two friends, and they're my friends, you know. Yeah. And and I just, I just uh, God, I don't know. God has really blessed me to be in a position and be in a time and a place that I am now. I have crossed over to a white audience who listened to me and never had to cross out because I saw many guys in my position say I'm going to record like this because I think this is what white people like I'm going to record this because I think this is what black people like I've been blessed enough to record what I feel and hope everyone like it it's not a black and white issue with me it's about the music and the love of it
1: there you have it. That was Bobby Rush. Uh, I, I believe that was the first time I've ever had a conversation with a musician where I said, uh, so, you, you, you've you recorded 300 songs in your career. And then he stopped me and, and corrected me and said, actually, we went back and recounted and I, I think it's uh, closer to 500. He's 83 years old. He's still going out there and, and touring and... Um, his last album, Porcupine Meat, just came out a couple months ago, and it's really, really fantastic. I, I highly recommend that you pick that up, uh, along with, uh, pretty much, uh, everything else he's done. He's had a really fascinating and, and wonderful and, and, diverse career, and, you know, he's, uh, I, yeah, I'm, I, I'm a fan of a lot of blues musicians, um, but a, as somebody who came into music through rock, you know, I, I think that a lot of, um, lot of a lot a lot of a lot of players in the genre kind of find their sound and and just you know pursue that for for an entire career and he's he's been changing with the times for several decades now and and it's always fascinating and 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 exciting um and and this particular interview was from um i think maybe a month or two ago it was something that i've been holding on on for a while um you know, kind of waiting for the moment when I felt like I, on a personal level, needed a bit of a pick me up, and I suspect a lot of other people out there do as well. Uh, you know, something that's um, funny and 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 thoughtful and, and interesting and, and insightful, and 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 in its own way, kind of hopeful as well. Uh, really, really enjoyed that conversation. As, as fascinating maybe even more so than I, I expected it to be so uh thank you so much to him for taking the time to do that thanks for, to uh to carrie for setting that one up thanks to you guys as always for listening to the show um if you uh if you enjoy the conversation i highly recommend you uh, go out and pick out his uh new record "Porcupine meat out right now Um, please, uh, if you've been listening to us for a while, consider rating us over on iTunes or wherever it is that you get your podcast. Um, maybe send in a little money our way over on Patreon. It costs money to uh to host this thing it costs money to pay brian uh so any little bit helps uh if you've got any feedback it's rilcast at gmail.com follow us on tumblr it's riylcast.tumblr.com that is the first and best place to get all of your riyl related information uh like us on facebook i think that's uh, i think that's about all i got for for this week i'm gonna go I'm go take a nap now. Um, we we've uh, got a lot of good shows in in the hopper. Um, you know, in fact, uh, I think it, I think I did four interviews over the course of the last week. So lots of great stuff coming up. So stick around because we will be back just about this time next week with another episode of RAYL.